We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter number 3 tonight in your Bible, 1 Peter 3. I'm thankful since the Lord was crucified, buried, and rose again, ascended to the Father, that we don't have to worry about waking him up. He never sleeps, he never slumbers. Do you ever really get to thinking about it when you're praying about this truth? I mean, just such a simple truth. God's listening to me. Oh, no, that, that can help to shape your prayer life. Have you ever been in your prayer closet and thought you were just praying into the corner? Am I the only one that's ever been that way? I mean, just thought, man, I, it's, not, it's not so, though. God's listening to us when we talk to him. He's truly really listening to us when we talk to him. What a great, great, what a great thought. Anyway, I can enjoy that all by myself. I guarantee you it's just fine. I, I'm so thankful for the wonderful God that we have. I'm so very thankful for the wonderful, wonderful God that we have. First Peter chapter number 3. Look at verse number 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning let it not be that of outward adorning of plating of the hair or wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. But but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. We're still in our series, Hope in a World of Hopelessness, and I've entitled this message tonight, Hope in Doing Things God's Way. Hope in Doing Things God's Way. Let's pray, we'll get going. Father, you do listen to us when we pray. You're there. Even when you're quiet, you're there. Even when it's dark, you're there. Even when we don't feel like you're listening, you're listening. You know right where we are. You know right what we need. Even tonight in this congregation, you know the needs of the people. We pray, Lord, that you'd use your word in a mighty way just to speak to hearts about whatever you would choose to do. Um, I, I just ask, Lord, that you give, give us clarity of thought and speech and help us to stay on track. We've asked, but we'll ask again. Help us to preach, Lord, just to preach with liberty and power to bring forth your word in such a way that it will do the work that only it can do. Help us now. I thank you for the folks that are here. Bless us before we leave, we pray, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please be seated. (laughs) 
One Bible commentator said about this passage, he said this, quote, A strange situation exists in society today. We have more readily available information about sex and marriage than ever before, yet we have more marital problems than divorces. Obviously, something is wrong. I think it's a very valid point. Um, You can walk into just about any Christian bookstore that there is and find books upon books about, pardon me, physical relationships, the home, marriage, on and on. There's a multitude of videos and plenty of marriage seminars, and yet the divorce rate in the United States is still, well, now they're saying about 45%. And I know, I know it was above 50% at one time and even pushing 60%, but experts say that it's declining now because people are deciding not to get married, and instead they just live together. And uh, by the way, whatever you want to call it, shacking up or whatever, it's still sinful that people would do things like that. And yet, we have to believe that there's hope for homes today. But even with that, even with saying that, that there is hope for homes today, and I do believe that, my heart's still troubled. Well, preacher, why why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. The uh, culture that we now live in has drifted so far away from the truths of this Bible. And people's attitudes are so different from what the Bible teaches And really, a lot of people have drifted right into the philosophies of Hollywood about marriage. It's true. Uh, They've they've accepted these things to the point that Bible answers, real Bible answers seem so radical, so extreme, that, that there's a lot of people that would not even consider doing what the Bible says. It's just too much for them, too strong. They don't want to listen to what God has to say. But I guarantee you, there's hope in doing things God's way. It, it's, 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 this, this book is not archaic. This book's timeless. This is God's Word. He still works through this, and He still works as we are obedient to Him and do things the way He would have us to do things. There's answers. At times, will it mean a radical change in, in the people's philosophies of marriage and the home and the family and child rearing and all that? Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. It call for a radical change from some husbands and some wives, some children. But with God, there's always hope. There's always hope. And so tonight, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4, and then it may take a couple of more messages to get through verse number 7, but we're going to get there eventually, Lord willing. We'll make it down to verse number 7 eventually. Um, You've probably noticed this in your own Bible reading, but there's six verses here addressed to wives and only one verse addressed to husbands. Now, let's think about that for just a second. Why is the major portion devoted to the wives? Well, we have to remember as we study the Bible, we have to remember the cultural differences. Um, back during this time, it made the, 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 woman's, the women's role much harder than that of the men. Those that received this letter, initially received this letter, had the effect of three different cultures, uh, although they had, all of them had a similar view of women. Under, under the Jewish law, a woman had no rights. None. Uh, no, no. Uh, under the Jewish law, a woman, uh, I'm not advocating this, I'm just telling you, a woman was nobody. Her husband looked at her like he would look at any of his other possessions. Looked at her like 
livestock, pretty much, just, just a possession. So think about this. No one wants to think, think with me about this. For, so, so for a Jewish woman to choose a different religion than her husband, well, it just was to never really take place. But remember where we are here. Come on, remember where we are. Christ came. He went to the cross. He shed his blood. He died. He was buried. He rose again. Now people by the multitudes are trusting Christ as their Savior. Come on, they're, they're leaving Judaism and they're going into Christianity. And no doubt, no doubt, because this is addressed the way that it is, that there were those homes that were split. I'm not broken up, but split. The wife trusts Christ as her Savior. The husband doesn't. And now there's trouble. There's problems. Things being addressed. It should have never taken place. No, in their eyes, it should have never taken place that a wife would choose another religion beside the one that she was raised in, married into. Then there was a Greek culture where the woman, it's crazy, where the woman had to stay indoors. She had to stay indoors. And she had to obey her husband no matter what. No, no matter what. No, she had no rights whatsoever. But if the husband grew tired of her, no, in the Greek culture, if the husband grew tired of her, he could return her to her parents as long as he returned the dowry. Crazy stuff, isn't it? Come on, I'm not making this stuff up. This is the way it was back during this time. You have to Come on, we have to think along the lines when we're studying the Bible. I mean, we have to keep things where they were. And let's not forget the, about those that were under the Roman law back during this time. Those, those women under the Roman law, they remained forever in the eyes of their husband. They remained forever as a child, never to have any rights whatsoever, none. They were never allowed to make decisions for themselves. Every decision... Made for, their, made for them was made by their husband back during that time. Well, I'll tell you, why didn't we have a women's rights movement, a women's rights movement way back then? Because they'd just kill them. Now, I'm not trying to be funny or ugly. I'm just telling you, back then, no, no, it was a different culture. It was a different time. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm, no, 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 I'm not against, I'm not against, I, I wouldn't even want to try to go back this way whatsoever. I'm not even advocating any of that. I'm just telling you where they were at the time, setting, setting up for what he, is, what he has written to them about, what he's talking to them about. So, so with all of that thought, really, what do you think it must have been like for a woman to believe the gospel and to get saved? Do you think it would have been a pleasant experience? I mean, for her to, to, to tell her husband when he came in from a long day, I tell you, I heard about Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, and I put my faith and trust in him, and I, I'm going to follow Christ. And, and do you think that it could have been, do you think it could have been good? And we think about it the other way, when we think about the way that women were treated and the way that they were uh, uh, handled back during this time, we think about it the other way. If the husband got saved, it was just understood that the wife was going to follow him. However, if the wife got saved first, well, that was a different story. Many times, many times back during these, these times, she was met with violence from her husband. It, it wasn't a good thing. So here's the thing here. Peter isn't writing this letter to advise them of their rights. He, he wrote to help the wife understand how to be a Christian and how to do two things, how to avoid the violence and how to win the husband to Christ. 
And this is still relevant today. I truly believe it's still relevant today because it's still the case that there are more women that get saved with unbelieving husbands than husbands with unbelieving wives. If you have been around very long and knocked on many doors and talked to many people and just sat in churches and talked to people, you know that is absolutely the truth. <clears throat> and there are those that look at, uh, at, at that as a weakness of women and a weakness of Christianity. Look at what? That, that, that women are getting saved and men aren't getting saved. And they look at that like it's just a weakness of the women. Women just, and it's a weakness of Christianity. But I'm telling you, it really just shows the pride and the stubbornness of a male ego. Somebody should have said amen right there. It's really the truth. So we also must recognize that Peter is addressing those women primarily that got saved after marriage. And now here they are in that position. But he's trying to give them hope. Hope in doing things God's way. And it starts out like this. Likewise, you wives. The word likewise here just means in the same manner. So let's think a little bit about what Peter has been teaching uh, the Christians. Um, and we know, and we, we've looked at some of this stuff in chapter number 2, verses 13 through 17. He was teaching them how they are to submit to civil authority, how they are to be under civil authority. He's supposed to submit that way. And then in verses 18 through 10, uh, 20, uh, how servants are supposed to submit to their masters or bring it up to, to our today's times, how an employee is supposed to submit to the employer and be the best that they can be. And in verses 21 through 24, uh, we're taught to follow the example of a submissive Savior who went to the tree, the Bible says, went to the tree, and he suffered for us. And then he says this, likewise, ye wives. So here's what he's saying. You're going to have to stick with me here. You're going to have to stick with me. Don't, don't, don't check out before the message is over, okay? Stick with me as I go through this. He says, likewise, your wife, uh, likewise ye wives. So he has said, civil authority is not always right, but submit. And he said, the boss is not always right, but submit. And he said, Jesus was not treated fairly, but he submitted. And then he said this, likewise, ye wives. So what is the end, the purpose of counsel such as this? Well, it's the very same as previous examples that we looked at in this series. There's a lost world out there that needs the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we submit to civil authority for Christ's sake. And we submit to the job, on the job to be a witness for Christ. Because Jesus suffered wrong for our salvation. He did it as an example. So wives are plainly told in verse number one, why, are they, uh, why they are to be submissive. It says, likewise, you wives, be, sub, uh, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by conversation, by the conversation of the wives. So it says, if any obey not the word, the word of God. So here it's either talking that they're not saved or they're not living according to the Bible. And I want you to allow me to interject something here. In the day and time in which we now live, the idea that a woman is to subject herself to her husband 
is a very strong idea. Come on, with the women's liberation movements and all those things, it's just a very, very strong idea. We're living in a day and time where where women want to be where where women want to be equal or even above men, and 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 I don't fully understand that. Really, God placed women up here. No, 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 no. God never placed a woman under the man's authority, under her husband's authority, so it could be like this. Never, 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 never. I'm going to say a little bit more about that, but it's never. God never intended for it to be like that. Never at all. But in the day and time we live in, it's like, well, the unisex movement. and that We're just all the same. We're not all the same. Never was meant to be that way. But this is strong. In fact, it's way too strong for a lot of women. They tend to reject the idea of a wife submitting to her husband. And they reject it because they, 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 they believe it's just old-fashioned. They believe it's archaic. I mean, even outdated. Well, it's just not like that anymore. And I have had women, I have had women get very angry at me when pointing this out in the Word of God in counseling situations. It's not well accepted by some at all. Thus saith the Lord. Just pointing out what the Bible has to say. So I, I have to think, we have to think, well, are those women right? I mean, do you think the Scriptures have gone too far in saying that, that wives should be subject to their husbands? Well, was God mistaken when He laid out the order within the family? Well, to us believers, the answer should be a very emphatic no. God's not mistaken. He placed the order for the family, and it is supposed to stay that way. See, the problem is not in what God said at all, but in our understanding of what God has has said, or, or possibly in our rebellion to what He would want us to do. Well, it's just not the way I like it, not the way I want it. Um, someone that rejects this either misunderstands or is simply unwilling to follow what God says. Now, stay with me here. Stay with me. We're going someplace. It'll get clearer. Excuse me. So what, what does God mean by, by subjection? It's His words. What does He mean by that? Well, we can be guaranteed... We can be guaranteed that it is not speaking of a dictatorial subjection. Not at all. What are you talking about, preacher? No, it's not, it's not speaking to a subjection where the wife is treated as inferior to her husband. You ladies can go ahead and say amen right there, I guarantee you. It's, it's not, no, no, it's not to be thought of it where a wife is to submit herself to the demands of a husband who acts like some kind of an animal. God never intended for it to be that way. Or, or, or where a wife is, is to be subject, uh, is to subject herself to a tyrant. God doesn't mean for it to be that way. Or, or, or where a wife is to be a slave or a footstool to her husband. God never meant for it to be that way. Or where a wife is to serve her husband without restraint. God never meant for it to be that way. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. The subjection that God speaks of here means this, cooperation. 
relationship, partnership. That's what it's talking about there. That is what a marriage relationship is supposed to be all about. Sure, a husband and wife are to walk together. They're to walk together, hand in hand, all throughout life. Um, However, however, every body of people, even the body of only two people, must have a leader who takes the lead. Everybody has to have a leader. Even if it's a body of just two people, it has to have a leader. Someone that is going to plow through the wilderness of this world in all of its trials and all of its troubles and all of its difficult times. Someone that's going to lead the way and keep on going the way they're supposed to go. Between a husband and a wife, one of them has to be a primary leader. Now, God's order is that the husband take the lead. That's the way it's supposed to be. I've said in many a counseling session and told the husband and the wife this, I've told the husband, you have more responsibility, sir, than you seem to understand. You're not just responsible for bringing home the bacon. You're responsible for raising your children. For being the spiritual leader. Don't you go to sleep on me. For being the spiritual leader for your wife. We'll eventually get down to verse number 7. But men have a great responsibility to be the kind of leader that God wants them to be. Great responsibility. And it plainly says here. That even if the husband does not obey God's word. The wife is still to be. Subject to him. Now let me let me back up for just a second. I don't want to back up very much. Let me back up. This is not talking about where somebody where a wife is mistreated, and it's not talking about that where where the husband's a tyrant, and it's not talking about those types of things. That is not what it's talking about. Not at all. Not even. God never expected it to be that way. But some husbands are uh, some husbands can be unbelievers, and they do not take heed to God's word, and they do not follow what God has for them. And there are some that not only fail to believe God, but they rebel against God. And that can make life tough in a home. No, no, no. I mean, where, where the, the wife is saved and wants to live for God and do the right thing, but the husband doesn't seem to want to do the right thing. I mean, it can make it very, very tough. Understand, and God understands all about that. And some, some because of, of that reason, some husbands just go on and live sinful lives, doing things that they never should be doing as a Christian man, and, and they don't take responsibility the way they should, and they don't treat their cri- uh, wives Christ-like the way that they should. And some, some are believers, but they just don't obey God's word whatsoever. So what does God expect? Well, God expects that the wife would subject herself to her own husband. That's what his word says. As long as she is not having to suffer any type, listen to me please, as long as she is not having to suffer any type of physical or mental abuse that would validate a separation from such, 
She is to live in such a way that the husband may be won to Christ by her godly behavior. <clears throat> I don't know how much you've seen this in your Christian life, but in my, my time of travel and even here at Riverside Baptist Church, I've observed some of this. And I've observed some that handled it the right way, and I've observed some that handled it the wrong way. But God's way is always the right way. It's always the right way. And according to the Scripture, by a wife living a life of purity and reverence and demonstrating a quiet and meek spirit, she stands a good chance of winning her husband to the Lord. Not my words, God's words. Oh no, okay, look at the, the last part of verse number one there. That if anybody not the word, they also may be without the word, uh, they also may without the word be won by conversation of the wives or lifestyle while they be, behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. <clears throat> So when it says that they might be one without the word, it, uh, it, it's, it's not talking, it doesn't mean without the Bible, but, but without a lot of words, um, there's a good chance of winning a husband like that without preaching to him all the time. There's a good chance, there's a good chance, according to God, there is a way, there is a way to preach louder and clearer than getting in his face and quoting verses. Or, or coming home and re-preaching the pastor's sermon. There's a better way, according to God. Come on, we're talking about having hope and doing things God's way. Preacher, that just don't make no sense. It don't make no sense at all. I'm telling you, a lot of things the way that God wants us to do them, when we first look at it and try to really try to explain it in our own mind, it's not going to make sense. But God's always right. We have to take him at his word. Okay, okay. So, so what is it that the husband has to see in his wife's uh, conduct to stir up this hope? Well, according to the word, he needs to see purity. Um, while, while they behold your chaste conversation, your lifestyle coupled with fear, he needs to see purity right along with respect, with reverence. And he needs to see a, a pure life. I, I mean, blessed, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A, 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 a life that is dedicated to the Lord, to live for God. That's what it's talking about when it talks about that chaste conversation. A husband that is an unbeliever, a husband that is a backslidden Christian. Listen to me. A husband that is an unbeliever or a backslidden Christian is not... Uh, impressed with a wife's devotion to all the latest reality shows that are full of ungodliness while, while her Bible just sits in one place and gathers dust. And he's certainly not impressed that she would listen to ungodly music or that she would cuss at the kids when she gets angry with them. The, the, the respect of a wife because of the position that God has placed him in over her, whether he is godly or not, is what a man needs to see. I'm submitting myself to God no matter what my husband does. 
Just doing what's right. Keep coming to church. Keep praying for him. Keep asking the church to pray for him. Isn't that right, Miss Terry? Living witnesses of this. Just doing what God wants you to do. Yeah, but my husband, you don't. Just doing what God wants you to do. You to do. Well, the husband's supposed to be the spiritual leader. Heavens to Betsy. I know that's right. But sometimes they're not. And so at that point, you just have to continue to do what God would have you to do. Trusting God to do what you can't do. Look, 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 I, I know, listen ladies, I, I, I know that it has to be hard to respect a man who will not live right and who will not do right. But that's when you have to walk by faith. You have to walk by faith. Come on, let God be true and every man a liar. God is the one that placed him in that role. Okay, let's move on then. A husband also needs to see his wife. Well, look at verse number three. Whose adorning, let it not be that of outward adorning, of plating the hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. So a husband needs to see his wife properly adorned. And uh, this very plainly is, is, is not talking just about that outward adorning, a proper adorning. It's not talking about the outward adorning. Back in this day, the Greek and the Roman women would go way, way overboard. They'd spend crazy amounts of time working on themselves that they might appear outwardly beautiful. All these different things, all these instruments of torture. You know that women use. Nobody brought a sense of humor. Oh, all these instruments of torture that women would use, and apparently back during this time too. But Peter's mainly speaking of a uh, Peter's mainly speaking about a fleshly, haughty, gaudy, outwardly show that they shouldn't be like that. You know, like like wild hairstyles and outlandish apparel that calls all the attention to the physical. No, I'll say it again. This this book isn't outdated. God's way is different than the world's way. It's different. You know, all the, I'm talking about all the excessive jewelry that, that draws attention away from the character of a woman and puts all the attention on the outward attraction of a woman. Makeup that's way overdone or today, or, or today even, uh, even just the sloppiness, that's become a thing, hasn't it? Just, just sloppiness. 
not, not to mention that which, not to mention wearing that which is not appropriate for being out in public. Come on, it gets worse and worse and worse. Women dress in such a way to draw attention to their bodies and then they want to call a man that looks, at, looks their way perverted. But who has the problem there? No Christian woman should want to dress in such a way. Oh, I'll say it again. I don't mind. No Christian woman should want to dress in such a way. And there's not a good godly husband that would want his wife or his daughters to go out dressed in such a way. Some of you men ought to say amen right there. It's getting out of hand. No, no, no. I'm telling you, it's getting out of hand. Terribly out of hand. It's, it's, it's permeating into our churches. And it shouldn't be so. It's, it's like the, the fashions of this world run everybody's lives. And it shouldn't be so. A woman's not to be adorned that way. It shouldn't be that way. Not at all. Take note of verse number four. But let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says to be adorned inwardly. Adorn yourself with this meek and quiet spirit. Come on, I'm going to wrap it up. Stay with me. Meek and quiet speaks of being gentle and peaceable. Gentle, peaceable. Not loud, not pushy, not boisterous, not self-assertive. And by the way, that type of spirit's not good just for women. But, 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 but there's, there's too many today that would say, there's too many today, too many women today that would say, but that's just not the way that I am. That's not the way that I am. You, don't, don't, don't you know, preacher, women today are just different. We're just different today. And I've got to be me. Well, God doesn't want you to be anyone but you. I'll say it again. God doesn't want you to be anybody but you. He created you. And he wants you to be you. But he does instruct in such a way that you would be godly, molded into the image of Christ, showing forth a Christ-likeness. Oh, there's so much I want to say here. There's so much I want to say here. I just want to make sure it's of the Lord that I say it because it, I, it, it frustrates me. It really does frustrate me. It frustrates me. I, I, I tried, I, we, 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 we tried to raise our daughters right, accordingly, teach them what the Word of God said, how they're supposed to be in, in, in all those ways. I want all the girls that are coming up in the church to be 
taught in that same manner, instructed in that same manner what God has to say about those things, how God would have them to be. Because no matter which way this world goes, God is always right. God is always right. And and I'm here to tell you, you young ladies in here, um, you don't want to worry about attracting a man with all the outward appearance. It will end up causing you trouble. And you don't want a man that's just going to look at the outward appearance. You don't want that. Because time goes on. And things change. And men are pigs. I taught that to my girls all their life. A good godly man is not looking for some woman that's dressed trying to attract attention to her body. Oh, I want to wrap this up. I want to wrap this up. Look, look. We have to take note here. Look, there's hope in doing things God's way. That's what it... We, we, okay, let's look. Let's just look what it says. Let's look what it says about this meek and quiet spirit. Now I'll quit. It says, "Not corruptible, even an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price." It's not corruptible. It's inside of God a great price. It's not corruptible. Stay with me here. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up. I'm gonna wrap this up. Um, it's not corruptible. That which God wants a lady to be adorned with. It's not corruptible. What do you mean, preacher? It's not going to fade away with age. Years might bring a lot of changes. But what comes out of a pure heart for God doesn't have to change. I'm saying you can have that inner beauty for the rest of your days. Trusting God. Not adopting the ways of the world. And if that isn't enough to encourage ladies today, this should be. God counts this meek and quiet spirit a great price. He counts it very valuable. And with just that thought, just that thought, Why wouldn't any Christian lady pursue such? That God counts it valuable. That should make ladies young and old alike pursue such. Being more of what God wants you to be and less of what the world says women should be. It's always good and it's always right. And there is hope in doing things God's way. Okay. Holy Ghost conviction. Holy Spirit conviction should be enough to make us desire whatever changes that God may speak to us about. Holy Spirit conviction.
Well, I know I should do this. Well, I know I shouldn't do this. And I know I shouldn't wear this. And I know I shouldn't go there. And I shouldn't be that. Holy Spirit conviction should make us desire whatever changes that God might speak to us about. And when things do not line up with God's Word, it is not God's Word that needs adjustment, but us. Us. Simply obey God's Word and watch Him do what you can't do. A husband who has lost or backslidden and who has a godly wife needs to see that Christianity is not weak. It's not that her Christianity is weak. It's that he is proud and stubborn and he needs to give in to God doing what God would have him to do. Preacher, you know, that kind of stuff's hard. It is. And it doesn't fit in with today's society. Bingo. But God is always good. And God is always right. And we just have to have enough faith to say, I'm going God's way. No matter, no, 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 no. No matter, no matter which way the rest of the world goes, I'm going to do things God's way. God's way. And we're going to get more into this in the next couple of weeks. Let's keep hoping doing things God's way. Let's do that. Let's stand to our feet. Father, I don't know. I don't know. I know you want to work in our lives. I, I do know that. I know that your word is true beyond a shadow of a doubt. I, I know we live in a wicked world. We live in a very wicked world. We, we live in a time where it, it, it just seems like, well, it's just waxing worse and worse. Homes aren't what they should, should be. Marriages aren't what they should be. Relations aren't what they should be. Our walk with you isn't what it should be. Help us, God, to just draw closer to you. To be determined to do whatever you would have us to do. There's so much more here for us, Lord. I just pray you'd help us to take this and chew on it. And know for sure that if we will just continue to do the things that you would have us to do, that, that it will bring you honor and glory. And that's what we're here for. Lord, bless the time of invitation. However you may have spoken to people, I pray they'd come. Just let you have your way in their lives and hearts. We pray and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Fiona's going to play.